Happy New Year, listeners. Coming up this week, we delve into the football over the Christmas and New Year period. We discuss new managers, transfers and VAR. I have more wonders of white. This week is an FA Cup themed and we will also look at some of the shocks from the third round. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to View from the Sideline podcast episode 16. It's Chris here and I'd like to introduce Liam. Hello Chris. Hello Liam. Um, we've got you in on a, a, a loan deal <laughs> for yes. a few weeks. Um, Rich- season. Yeah, while Rich is away. Um, so yeah, so uh, welcome aboard. Obviously you've done um, bits and bobs on the podcast before um, and you are a Villa fan so um, it's, it'd be good to get opinion from the other end of the table, unfortunately for you, uh, rather than me just talking about top four all the time. Thanks, mate. Uh, Thanks for reminding me that. <laughs> uh, so, yep, so we've got a lot to get through this week. Um, so a lot of it is FA Cup themed, as we have just gone through the third round. We'll also look at the fourth round draw later. Um, unfortunately for Liam, um, Villa aren't quite in that full front shot. Uh, I'll stop. I'll stop, Liam. Okay. Yeah, cheers again. Uh, uh, Pete's going to save you now because he's got this week's teaser. Which player played two seasons in the Premier League from 2012 to 2014, scoring 28 goals in 67 games and also helped his team to win the League Cup? That is a difficult teaser because uh, I'm not familiar on who actually won the League Cup between those years. So this is going to be a... Shot in the dark. Um, no idea whatsoever. They won the they won the league cup, so um, it could be one of a number of teams that I can. Whenever you promise, whenever you think of a, a cup win, you always think of like the the big six teams. So that doesn't really help because obviously, league cup is anyone's really, isn't it? Um, yeah. Speaking of the league cup, um, there's a game on tonight, semi final. Uh, United versus City, and I believe uh, City are three 0 up in that one. Liam, is that right? That uh, is. I think it's just gone to half time three uh, 0 to Man City. So, uh... so uh, not good for United there. As probably one of their only chances of actually winning a trophy this season looks to be going down the pan as we speak. It's just um, described by Robbie Savage as the worst United half of the season. So yeah, I don't think. Well, to be fair, <laughs> it's strange, really, because obviously they beat beat City obviously not too long ago in the league, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But well, um, speaking of the Premier League, um, so we've had a huge amount of games, so probably five or six games, I would actually say, since we actually last did a podcast. Um, they do like to cram in the games over the Christmas period. Um, but obviously there are a few talking points from from those games, not necessarily the results. So there wasn't too many um, shocks, I would say. Um, but one of the biggest talking points, Liam, I think, is um, VAR. Um, a, a lot has been said over the Christmas period about VAR. Um, unfortunately, most uh, are negative. Uh, so it's, it's not not going how people because a, a lot of people were already very wary of it coming in. Um, and I think those people that were wary of it are now obviously saying, well, kind of told you so. Um, but do you, uh, do you personally feel that it's working or do you think that there are things that they do need to improve? There's a, there's a lot 
that they should be looking at, I think, if they're going to stick with it, there's a lot that needs to change. Um, I had a look back at the at the fixtures on New Year's Day and the fixtures from uh, the Saturday before. And just in those two rounds, there was, I think, about four or five games where mm-hmm. VAR has basically decided the outcome of the game or had a huge effect on it in some way. Um, I think... The ruling was VAR was to be brought in for clear and obvious errors. Yeah. When you're getting offsides that are two millimetres, one millimetre. Yeah, well, I think... Either way, it's not clear and obvious. At yeah, all. well, I think that's... Get the lines, just show the referee a replay. If he's happy with his decision, get on with the game. Mm. If it is a huge error, at least he's had the chance to rectify it. Um, But, yeah, I think they... they... I didn't. I didn't watch a live game for the first couple of rounds at VAR was in use, and I heard people complaining about it. But I hadn't actually seen it in any of the games that I'd watched until the Villa game against Burnley when I was on earlier this year. The pause that it takes, the amount of times it's actually used in a game, is just it's slowing everything down. Uh, I appreciate that I've got to have some time dedicated to watching videos, but yeah. I mean. It's a joke. It is getting beyond. I a think, joke. yeah. I think going back to your earlier point, I think that the the margins that these people have been caught offside in is is utterly ridiculous. To be honest with you, like you said, this was supposed to be brought in for clear and obvious um, mistakes, not mistakes as such, but things that the referee hasn't seen or the linesman. Um, and I think on a few occasions, especially over Christmas, I think when they're drawing those lines on, on the TV monitors, it's just how close people are offside. I just I just think it's those decisions that are kind of ruining it, I think. And I think there is a slight inconsistency as well because when you've got different referees in charge of VAR for different games, they are going to interpret things differently. Um, and like you said, obviously, you've experienced it a few with the Villa Burnley game as well. Um you know, Chelsea had one earlier on in the season where there was a foul. Chelsea had a, you know, there was a foul made on an opposing player and Chelsea went on and scored. And, you know, this happened, you know, one, one and a half minutes after the foul, but it was brought back for a free kick to the other team. So I think I think there's a lot that needs to be looked at. Like you said, the, t- the, the timing issue, um, I don't really know what, what they can do with that, you know, I I think that they can make a change with the timing issue is that you give 60 seconds to the video referee. If he's not made a decision by then, it's not an obvious mistake. Yeah. If you can't make a decision within two viewings of a replay, you, there's, there's no clear Mm. enough error. Cause the, there's, TV uh, stands in the ground as well for the referees to use, and, and I do believe that one was used this weekend in the FA Cup for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah um, which was good to see, and I think they should use it more. I think if that was, yeah. or the referee would overturn their own decision, they would actually get to see rather than relying on someone looking at six or seven replays or even more sometimes. So yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see the monitor be used more. Yeah, and I have seen um, this week. It might have been last end of last week. Um, they are going to review the VAR process um, to make it more clear um, for everyone. I think, including those in the ground. I know they've got the um, the decisions on the big screen, but 
obviously to be left waiting for a long time it can, it can be quite confusing um, it can and I think it should be scrapped for offside I think you've just got to have it for blatant handballs or you know penalty issues where the mm. referee might want a second look and if he still thinks that his decision stands fine he's looked at it on, on a monitor mm. but he's I know, still overruled it yeah I know Rich has said earlier on um, in, a, in an early episode of the podcast you know even some of the penalty decisions that are being given um, are, are still are very soft. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and like I said, I think it's just how the person in charge of VAR, you know, how how they look at how, you know, their, it's their point of view, isn't it? So I think there's a lot of different feelings around, around VAR, but mostly negative. <laughs> I would rather there be a, a, an official actually at the ground but maybe in the stands maybe has a better view of things that can just get onto a microphone and just say you might have missed something yeah. you know referee's back is turned there's been a fight or something just to, they are the clear and obvious things that need to be cleared up do you think and, making the referees wear microphones so you can hear i know this won't help people within the ground but obviously people watching home tv if they were mic so you can hear the conversation, the actual conversation that is going on between the two parties to find yeah. out what their reasoning is behind. Because all we get to see is them either point, you know, if it's a pepper, like point at the spot or, or not. We don't really get a reason behind how they've come to that conclusion. So Yeah, I think it would be so much, it works so well in rugby union mm. and there are other sports that use it as well. I, I don't see why a referee can't be mic'd up these days. Mm. I understand that there's been an argument, you know, with the language and stuff that's used. You you don't want to sort of expose the wider public. Mm. I don't but really like ha- that. It happens in rugby union as well. So I, I don't understand why you can't just, or, or at least have, give a referee a chance to come out after a game and explain a decision because that's, that's never happened either. I no, no. see a referee come out and say, well, I made this decision because... And then they explain their reasoning, and I think that would make much more sense. Well, um, well, that's enough for VAR. I think we're all VAR'd out this season already. So, um, but yeah, so we'll um, so obviously there's been a few managerial casualties over the Christmas period, um, but obviously the two main ones is obviously Michael Arteta coming back to Arsenal. And obviously, I, I think probably even a, a bigger a bigger one was Ancelotti joining uh, Everton, which I was really surprised about because I, when I saw his name being linked with the job, I I was really I almost laughed at the idea that he'd go there. To be honest with you, but he obviously has, and you know I'll have to um, eat my hat on that one. Um, but uh, a great great signing forever, and that getting Ancelotti in, you know, with it, all of his you know, vast experiences of all the big clubs he's been at, including Chelsea. Um, and with money got... to spend as well, I think. I think they've got quite a big transfer budget, so I think that's a really good appointment. It's a step in the right direction. I think he'll, um, he'll definitely be signing the right players. I think we can both agree that maybe managers in the past for Everton haven't have had the money to spend, but they've not spent it yeah. um, wisely. Shall we say? But um, I, I've seen a slight improvement with them. I'd say already. I, I'd say defensively they look a, a lot better. Yeah. Um, but I still think their main their main concerns will be 
going forward. Obviously, Moasi Keen, obviously, not really, is he's not really got off to his Everton career yet. And from what I've seen, it looks like he's he's already on his way out. So, um, which is a shame, really, because you know he's obviously a huge talent. So, yeah, I think. I think what's interesting, it's a big statement and I think what would have maybe happened before is players would have seen Everton coming in for them and not really, you know, big players would have maybe not thought about joining. But with someone like Ancelotti in charge, I think he's a coach a lot of players like to play for. Yeah. I think he'll be a draw for a few big names. And if he has got that money in the transfer window, I think give him a summer and he'll... He'll, he'll reinforce that side with some really good players. I think next year we could really be looking at uh, Everton pushing for that uh, back in the top half back for the Europa I think. Do you think that Tottenham missed maybe have missed out on Ancelotti a little bit? Obviously, obviously Mourinho coming in, they were pretty quick to hire someone as soon as Poch had gone. Um, I personally have felt that I think Ancelotti would be better suited to Tottenham than what Mourinho is. Um, yeah, I think he would have brought a lot of good experience. I think, although Mourinho has equal experience in Europe, I think maybe he tarnished his reputation at Man United a little bit. Ancelotti's mm. never really had that. Everywhere he's gone, he's succeeded by the most uh, by, by most accounts. And yeah, I think maybe looking back now, I suppose have had a, they they had a bit of a bounce when Mourinho joined, but the mm. last the weeks it's not been as good for them yeah well um lucky to just steady the ship rather than Mourinho to come in and make it all about him I think they just wanted a quiet end of the season to just get it over with and build again for next year I spoke to um Rich earlier just to see if he wanted to give any opinion on Tom um he isn't not very happy to see the Leafs with, with their recent performances, shall we say. Um, and he is still upset that they got rid of Poch and brought in Mourinho. Um, he was calling for a lot of players to get to leave. So, um, one Dean Erickson, um, obviously, who, who looks very certain to either leave now or in the summer. Yeah, I think that's probably the right thing to do. I think Spurs have come to the end of... Uh a bit of an era for them and it's time to rebuild and start mm-hmm. again. And they've got they've got people there to do it already. I think they're oh, coming through and I think they've got some good talents coming through. I just hope that Mourinho doesn't do his normal trick and neglect the younger players at a club. I mean he did it at Chelsea for so long and you know look look how they've done now with the younger players actually playing. So yeah, I hope they can rebuild. And um, so Arteta um, at Arsenal, um, obviously an ex-player, um, obviously has learnt a lot from Pep Guardiola, which is, I'm assuming, why <laughs> Arsenal are hoping he can bring some of that to them. Um, but I would say so far, I think they've improved in it, on the results-wise, probably... Uh, their best performance under Arteta so far is probably the win against Man United. Um, e- even against Chelsea, they for eight minutes of the game, they were the best side. They just couldn't kill the game off. And um, obviously, a mistake from the keeper. And um, we were back in the game and obviously getting the winner. Um, but I actually, I've, I, even again, like I said about um, Ancelotti Evan, I think 
Arteta has definitely come in and has improved um, their defence. Um, David Luiz against Man United, um, I thought was probably one of the best performances I've actually ever seen him have. Even even when at Chelsea, I don't think I've seen him that good. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a, a small step in the right direction. I, whenever an unproven former player is uh, brought in charge of a club, the general consensus is it doesn't work. I think Lampard maybe has been the exception this year. Um, I don't think it's worked too well with Solskjaer. I don't think it worked well with Giggs when he was in temporary charge either. Certainly with uh, from a Villa perspective, when we bought old players or even old managers for a second time around, like when Graham Taylor came back, it's more for sentimental value than anything. But I think Arteta has had long enough away to maybe pick up a few tips from Guardiola, obviously one of the best coaches in the world. The problem I think they've got is Arsenal should be fighting at the top of the league and I don't know whether they'll be able to do that with Arteta in charge because when you've got the understudy of someone coming to take your job, you, you're relying on them having enough ideas for themselves because every time he comes up against Guardiola, Guardiola's going to think, well, I've got the, be- the beating of you. Mm. So I don't know where, when maybe, I hope he proves me wrong. I'd love to see Arsenal back at the top. You know, when I was growing up, they were playing some incredible football. And even though they beat everybody, it was still nice to watch. I'd like to see that kind of football being played again. But yeah, I'd, I'm, with a, when a manager like Ancelotti is available, I don't know why they weren't throwing as much money at him as possible to try and get him in. It seems strange mm. to go for an assistant manager with no experience over someone like that with great experience. I think maybe um, they've kind of saw what Lampard's done at Chelsea for the first half of the season and maybe just thinking to get the fans back on side a bit, maybe bringing the next player will um, will help for now. But it, it, I think, again... It's who they bring in now. Um, I still think they probably do need another couple of defenders, especially I saw Chambers is out now for nine, nine, ten months. So he's had hideous career of injuries, hasn't he? So. They were very shaky against Leeds last night. I know they kept a clean sheet, but... Oh, Leeds were on top for most of that game. Especially in the first half. I don't, mm. I don't know how they got uh, away without conceding there. So I think they need some reinforcements. I think they need a uh, proper holding midfielder because Xhaka seems to have... I know he played yesterday, but he, he didn't particularly play well. He just gives, he just gives too many fouls away. He's just slow. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's good at... When he actually gets a tackle right and wins the ball back, he's really good at doing that, and his energy levels are good. But it's then mm. the bit he does after, and it'll be pass the ball off the sideline or overhit a pass or shoot miles over it just it's the second bit that just doesn't seem to be working for him at the moment but yeah reinforcements mm. everywhere but they, they have got a good striker to start with so that might encourage maybe some more creative players to go to Arsenal in summer Definitely. well Arsenal do um, obviously they have the invincibles can Liverpool do the same obviously they are now running away with the league it seems and um, probably both agree that the league they're probably going to win the league so I, <laughs> I just don't really know what to say about them at the moment. even when they play bad they win 
Um, and even when they have players that are injured, they still win. Obviously, Fabinho has been out for two, three weeks now, but Jordan Henson's come in and <laughs> slotted, slotted in front of that defence. Like he's like his life at the minute as well. Yeah. Playing really yeah. well. I was very surprised, actually, how well he's actually playing. Um, I thought without Fabinho, they may be a bit more susceptible at the back. But, you know, when you've got Van Dijk in yeah. there and Gomez learning off Van Dijk, you, you know, you, <laughs> what can you do, really? Um, and that is... They're all round at the moment, even coming off the bench when you've got, oh, you know, Oxley chamberlains come back fit again and... The cameos he seemed to have had so far, he's, he's looking like he's on, you know, more encouraging form. Lalana even played in with the under 18s against Everton the other day, and you know he, he actually looked quite good again. Um, I know Everton were poor, but um, it's it's good signs when you got your subs and your reserve players actually look like they want to play every time they get on the pitch. And uh, I think that's a positive sign for them. I, I actually think they've got a really good chance of breaking that record. I think they will. I, I think they really have. I looked at the... Um, so Arsenal went on 49 games unbeaten. And although Liverpool have lost one game out of the last 49, they've actually got more points and more wins than Arsenal did in that 49 games they went unbeaten. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went to the end of the year... Um, undefeated. I, th- I think they could do it and I think they deserve to. I think we're watching probably one of the best teams in, in Premier League history at the moment, maybe without realising or giving them enough. Oh no. You think um, the front the front three of, of Mane, Salah, Firmino. Firmino looks like a world-class striker and it's yeah. not, he's not I wouldn't say he's the most consistent goal scorer but it's what he does either off the ball or when yeah. he has the ball to provide for Salah and Mane running in behind the defence. Um, Even if he's making, making a run and not getting the ball, he's, he's always occupying other defenders. And even if it's not working and they take one of them off, every time Origi seems to come on, he seems to score as well. When you're making Origi look like a world-class striker, you know that you're doing yeah. something right. I'll tell you yeah. that. But yeah, fair play to them. Um, you know, a lot of people will say that they, they'd hate to see Liverpool win the league. But to be honest with you, when they're playing like they're playing, I don't think you can actually say much other than, you know, congratulations, well done, you've won the league. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever a team is playing as well as they are, I, I always think it's good to watch. It's nice to watch good Yeah. Football. It doesn't really matter who it is. And personally, it's another name on the Premier League trophy. I think, you know, for a competition, we need as many winners as possible. Well, um, yeah. I think it's to see. It's nice to see a name that isn't Man City on there because... You know, by all rights, with the budget that they've got every year, Man City should walk the title every year. Yeah. They haven't, and I think Liverpool, although they have spent money, a lot of their important players actually haven't been bought for excessive amounts. You know, Alexander Arnold, UT, uh, Robertson was, I think, a, a swap deal for Kelvin Stewart, wasn't he? And a couple of million, <laughs> you know, next to nothing. Um, yeah, all credit to him. Yeah, just that we're very good at jinxing teams as well. So if Liverpool go on like a 10-game loss streak, now it's not my fault, by the way. <laughs> um, right, so 
Um, we'll just talk a bit about our teams now and how we feel that they're faring at the moment. Um, I'll, I'll start with Chelsea because I haven't really got a lot to say other than what I've been saying every other week, that there is still inconsistency within, within the results. Um, obviously, beating Tottenham and Arsenal put probably the biggest smile on my face. Yeah. Um, but then losing to Southampton, Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, not not so great. But, um, but we're still fourth. I think that's the main thing. I think still five points clear of Man United. Um, we've got Burnley at the weekend at home, so that'll be a game I think they'll be looking to get three points from. It's our home form at the moment that's actually letting us down. So as long as we can... Again, I'm unsure about whether signing anyone is actually the the right thing to do at the moment. I think maybe bringing in one or two players may be okay, but you just don't really want to unbalance the team too much. I know we're very reliant on Tammy Abraham at the moment, um, and maybe we do need another striker just to push Abraham a bit more. Um, When I've seen Giroud and Batshuayi this season, I've not been hugely impressed but to be honest with you they haven't really had that much time what do, what do you uh, think about Chelsea looking to offload strikers I know that Giroud was a target for Villa I don't yeah. think it's happening anymore and Batshuayi was rumoured to be leaving yeah to be honest with you Batshuayi, we've had Batshuayi for four or five seasons now and I think three and a half of those seasons he's actually not been at the club anyway so um, I, to be honest with you I think Think and, and Giroud, I think Giroud's probably at that point of his career now where um, if he doesn't want to sign for another... He could easily play for another Premier League team, I think, um, but he can probably go make some money abroad somewhere, probably America or maybe in, in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, somewhere like that. Um, I think he's kind of done what he needs to do. You know, he was immense for us last season when we went won the uh, Europa League obviously top yeah. scorer in that competition as well um, but you know a lot of people underestimated Lampard I think and, and obviously the, the state that we, of the squad with obviously a lot of young players um, but if you would have told me at the start of the season without Hazard without a transfer window with a new manager that was I suppose unproven at the time and you told me we were fourth in the FA Cups, got through the Champions League group stage. I probably would have laughed at you. So, <laughs> um, to be fair, yeah. I didn't expect Lampard to have the effect that he has had. Um, I saw a lot of the Derby team that he had last year, and they they did have some impressive games. But mm. I actually thought for the squad he had, automatic promotion was probably the target and it maybe didn't go there but now I'm looking at it and thinking well actually he did a, a good job with the team that was there and I think he's done a great job I mean these youngsters that you've got coming through yeah I think we're rolling out a new one every week and every week I'm looking <laughs> at the next big thing coming through oh yeah and you've got obviously uh, people who don't follow sort of the youth team level football like Three, you know, for about four or five seasons, these players that are playing for Chelsea now, these youngsters, they were dominating the youth leagues and the youth cups for, you know, three, four seasons. So it was only a matter of time before they were brought through. And it's probably why Lampard, one of the main reasons Lampard was brought in, because obviously, you know, obviously he had coached some of these players at Derby. There was a couple of them at Derby with him, but 
he's he was there when these players were playing at their best at youth level, so he kind of knows them inside out. So, um, but yeah, very happy fourth. Hopefully, yeah. we can stay there. And also, you've, you've still got the lads out on loan at the minute. I'm looking at Connor Gallagher quite a lot in the Charlton team. He's been yeah, yeah, season. I think the future's bright. And I'm looking at the Chelsea squad at the moment. I know it's not going to win the league, but. Yeah, I don't think too much is needed in the in the way of major changes. I really mm. think he sticks with that philosophy, even though you can now buy people. So the uh, race to avoid the drop, Liam. Unfortunately for you, yeah, we're Villa uh, <laughs> Island amongst that. You've um, I just you know a few things that I've noticed over the you know some of the games, those key games over Christmas that you needed, you know, three points from and you you've lost. I think yeah. Some of them, especially against the teams that are in and around you, um, I think have been probably the downfall for you. Um, but more obviously, you've got your own opinion on obviously they're your club. So yeah, so I looked at the run of fixtures over the Christmas period and thought we've got a really big chance of getting out of it with games against Norwich, Southampton, and Watford, who were all below us at the start of the Christmas period and to lose at home to Southampton as badly as we did was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But we pulled it back the next game with a win at Norwich and you you think, well, now is the time to kick on. And then you have a horrible game against Watford where you lose 3-0 to a team with 10 men for 30, 35 minutes. And then you think, well things are going really bad and there's only one way that we're going to go and and then we went away to Burnley and played probably the best I've seen us play for a few months certainly maybe since the start of the season um although we only won 2-1 it, it probably could have been more uh I think maybe the fixtures are catching up with certain people obviously McGinn is oh, he's looks like he's out injured for a few months now uh, but he played every game for us in the championship last year. Grealish played every game for us in the championship last year, just about, and has played every game this year. I, th- I don't know whether tiredness is, is coming into it, but uh, I think we've certainly got quite a long way to go if we want to survive. And we've had a few injuries over the festive period. Obviously, like I say, McGinn is out and we've got Wesley out now for the rest of the season and we've got Tom Heaton out for the rest of the season, so they're big losses. But with Mings coming back in, Grealish is still playing well and if if those two play well for us in any game, I would always give us a chance of getting them. So, whilst there are a lot of bad things, I'm still quite positive. I still think Dean Smith is the man. Maybe if he doesn't keep us up, um, I, I'd still like him to have a bit of time to turn it around. I think he's earned enough in getting us promoted to to have the chance to get us out of trouble. Um, I really, I, I'm so desperate for him to succeed because he's a Villa fan, and I don't want to feel negative towards him. There's been a few times where his selection has maybe left me scratching my head a little bit, but overall, he's done an amazing job. I just. Uh, I just hope that there's three worse teams than us at the end of the year, but it's not looking like that at the minute, although we have sort of dragged Bournemouth back into the relic. Well, I say we, Southampton have been on a bit of a run as well. It seems to have pulled everybody a bit closer. Um, but yeah, with the form that Watford are on, that's uh, looking a bit dangerous and Southampton are picking up points. So uh, we need to start a run at some point. 
but you've um you've just signed on loan the equivalent of Xavi, so he's going to save yeah. your season, maybe this season. He is. He's the English John McGinn, and he's <laughs> come in seamlessly to our midfield, having not played for about eighteen months or maybe even more. Um, I don't know what I know. It's a loan deal, but I don't know what sort of finances have been agreed. Oh. I had read that we were paying his full wages of 120,000 a week. <laughs> um, I, don't, I hope that's not the case. I, I'm, I'm struggling to find um, yeah, reasons to be positive about it because I, I just don't think he's fit. It, he just Danny, needs... When he was fit for Leicester, was a great midfielder, but I don't, I don't see how you can be out of the game for as long yeah. and just come back in um, and help us for six months. If, if we'd assigned him permanently... And we could give him the time to get back to fitness. It'd be something different. But we we're looking for an immediate turnaround. And, uh, yeah, I don't know whether he's the right man for it, but I hope probably well, yeah probably won't be fit now till March. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I, I don't really see what difference he could make. And but yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am. Um, you know, he's a hard worker. We do need a sort of battler in midfield that will mm. sort of win the ball back and, and get us on the front foot. And I think. Um, you know, in, in at his best, I think that's what he's good at doing. I just hope that we get to see that. Well, let's uh, let's hope you do. I hope we get another striker because um, I don't fancy spending the next six months with Jonathan Codger up front on his own, no. um, and else backing him up. So I, I heard the rumours today that we were looking at getting Glenn Murray in on loan. So that's a, a big. Uh, yeah, a big glamour player for us to bring in. Oh, yeah. To spend money, I don't think we've got it. Splashing. The thing is now, it's, um, <laughs> you're at that stage now where do you spend money to try and stay up um, or do you run the risk of, of losing lots of money by getting relegated or do you not buy anyone and just see how it goes? It's just, um, I think we've spent enough over the, the summer, summer. Mm. and uh, I think it would be a huge gamble if we were to spend too much more and still get relegated. I think that's why we struggled when we first went into the championship because we spent all that money to try and get us back up in the first season and it massively backfired and then we couldn't buy anyone for 12 months or longer. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to be a little bit more sensible this time around and... Uh, yeah, maybe not spend as much in, in January to try and get us out of it. But I think we have got what it takes to stay up. It's just giving the players that confidence that I think they need. It'll be if we can put two or three wins together in a row, I think it'll do us to the end of the season and we'll we'll be in a good frame of mind. But yeah, there's been a few bad losses that I think maybe we will you know, the confidence isn't with us and, and maybe we'll regret those come the end of the season. We'll, um, we'll have to wait and see. This. Um, well, yeah, the, the, the bottom sort of, sort of five, six teams is, is more exciting than what's at the top at the moment. So at least you're involved in something, I guess. I would have loved a boring season in mid-table, to be honest. <laughs> All right, OK. Anyway, that is... Um, well, that's uh, Christmas and New Year Premier League period done. Um, and that is the end of part one. In part two, we'll be back with um, an FA Cup summary of a few of the 
Shocks will look at the fourth round draw. We'll also have a bit on the National League and see how Yeovil have been getting on. Uh, predictions update, um, a bit on the FA Cup feature, the Wonders of White, and we'll also try and guess Pete's teaser. So we'll be back in part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of episode 16 of you from the Sideline Podcast. Um, we're going to go straight into um, some of the games at the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, wasn't too many shocks, um, but there were a few. Um, we'll start with um, the uh, ritual like this from the Tottenham game, Middlesbrough Tottenham. Uh, game ending 1 0, obviously Tottenham going behind. Um, and obviously getting the equaliser in that one. Um, but again, a, a really poor game from, from Tottenham's point of view, and especially when you look at the team they actually put out um, for for that game. And, but before the game, you probably would have thought that Millsborough might be able to pinch something from this game. Yeah, I'd, they've been on a decent run in the league, to be fair, Middlesbrough. I, I did criticise Jonathan Woodgate earlier in the season because they were on a downward spiral, but... Mm. They've uh, they've managed to turn it around a bit in the league. They they look good, I think, against Spurs. I only managed to catch the highlights uh, on match of the day. Uh, didn't watch the game live. I just sort of assumed that Spurs had put a reserve team out. To be honest, uh, it was only when I'd looked after the game had finished. Um, it was actually on match of the day when I noticed um, a few of the bigger names that, be, that were being read out. I saw how strong they were. Obviously, there was no Kane, but when you got Mora and um, you know Son was playing. Uh, Ali was playing, and yeah, it was the normal sort of defence. Then, uh, yeah, not good for Spurs at the moment, no, is it? No, and especially this is probably a game they would have tipped to try and turn things round as well, but You'd they just look very, very slow, even with Mora and Sun up, up, you know, pretty much up front. The build-up wasn't great. Um, I still think they're missing some players. I don't think players obviously I think Ericsson's probably already gone to be fair yeah. um, but obviously no Kane now until well they're saying until March so they are I think without him they're str- well with him they're struggling but without him I think that's even probably worse for them now um, Rich was saying earlier that he thinks that they need to go out and buy uh, a new striker um, I think they could do with a new striker because I don't think Lucas or Son are really out and out strikers. I think they're no. up with people. But the th- you know the thing is, if uh, are you going to want to be playing behind Kane for the whole of the time you're at Tottenham? I, yeah. I just don't see a, a big player wanting to go there and be sat on the bench for you know the majority of the games just because obviously they're not going to drop when Kane's fit. They're not going to drop him yeah. uh, for another striker, but. Disappointing from Tottenham, but Middlesbrough uh, um, probably deserved to win the game, to be fair. Um, but um, just just couldn't quite get there. Um, but we'll... Um, so the other... Uh, it's not so much a shock, but more of a shock on the scoreline was the QPR-Swansea game, which ended 5-1 the QPR. Um, obviously, the, oh, Swansea going quite well in the league at the moment, but I don't think you, anyone expected them to ship five. Um, against QPR, all teams who, you know, aren't the most free-flowing sort of team there is in the championship. So, quite a surprising result there. 
Yeah, it was. And I think Swansea will have one eye on, on getting promoted back to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I think a cup run probably wouldn't do them much harm. We, if you can get a cup run together, it does build a bit of confidence going into sort of the latter end of the season when you're in the Championship. But it is a long season. So, yeah, maybe it, they just decided that competition wasn't for them. But yeah, yeah. really, QPR, not a free score inside at all, like you say. So to get five against what is a pretty good defence, really, in Swansea. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, big shock result, that one. So the um, the other, another Premier League team out to a championship team, uh, Derby, um, they beat Palace by a goal to nil. Um, but not too many, I don't think, would have been actually hugely surprised by the actual result in this one. I think Derby are, on their day, they are a really good team. And also you've got to mention now that Obviously, uh, a certain Wayne Rooney um, playing for them. Um, I watched his when he played his debut game. Was it Thursday, last Thursday night? I think it was that they played. Yeah. Um, he's obviously he set one of the goals up in that game. Um, but he um, against Palace, he played more of a central defensive midfield player. So I don't know if that's something going forward. They're going to look to have him play every game. Um, I would have thought he would have rather be. You know, playing more forward, but um, from what I hear, I didn't, I didn't manage to catch um, the guys who saw the highlights. But from what I hear, I actually had a really good game. Yeah, I heard the same, and I, it's a sort of role that he tried to get United to play him in towards the end of his career, and it, I guess, it didn't really work out. But maybe now he's, you know, getting on a little bit in years. Maybe the the pace isn't quite there to play up front. But I think just just to have him in the dressing room, even if. He didn't. If he played, you know, a handful of games before the end of the year, I think he's going to make such a difference. If I was a Derby player looking at him walking in the dressing room, to know that you've got, you know, a former England captain and mm. goal scorer, it must make a huge difference for a chance. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, credit to Derby for pulling it off, really, because I think he, I think Rooney would do a job for a lot of Premier League t- uh, sides at the moment, let alone... I think, yeah, I think that's what some people were quite shocked at, that he decided to go to Derby, um, when you'd probably say at least probably 12 of the 20 teams in the Premier League will probably do a I'd, job for now, so... I'd snap your hand off to have McVilla. I absolutely would. I think it's always good. I mean, we, we got John Terry from Chelsea at the latter end of his career, and you know the legs may have gone a little bit, but the mind is always still there. And oh, yeah, 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 he made such a huge difference having someone without experience and and those sort of you know medals and trophies behind him. And yeah, I think uh, maybe I I sort of expected a little bit more from Palace. I certainly thought that they would score. Um, but they, yeah, they uh, yeah, good result for Derby, and they'll. Uh, I think they've got uh, Northampton in the next round as well, so I think they'll fancy their chances of going quite far. Um, I just wanted to touch on this game, um, the Liverpool-Everton game. I see Liverpool won now a great goal as well um, in this one. Um, but a lot of people were saying, um, you know, saying it was like Liverpool's youngsters, but I think the average age of the team was 23 or 24, um, so not, you know, not considerably young. Um Certainly but wasn't he, the age of the side that played Villa in the League Cup. No, no, that's what I thought, because everyone yeah. was saying oh, I was Liverpool youngsters, but I was looking at the... I looked after the game and was looking at the ages of the players, and I thought, well, most of these are in their, like, 22, 23, and then, you know, they're not, they're not 
they're not, they're not young. They're not young. Obviously, Lallana probably bumped the average age up of that squad yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, what surprised me was that the ones that actually stood out were the younger players. I think Elliot looked good. And, and he's yeah, he's a good sign, and he is. He's a And uh, Williams, I think they're right back. Uh, he had a brilliant game, and you know, I, I know that Trent Alexander Arnold is probably going to be in that position for years to come for Liverpool. But another great prospect coming through in the same mm. position is, yeah, incredible. I think they both look really good, and they're, they're, they were both teenagers. But yeah, it was a mixture of youth and experience because uh, they did have one or two players. Uh, Milner played as well, didn't he? But only for about three or four minutes before he came off injured. Um, so he would have bumped the age up as well a little bit. <laughs> Still, nonetheless, if I was an Everton fan, I think I'd be very, very disappointed. That's no, you weren't very good at all, Everton. Um, Watchdown Newcastle ended 1-1. Um, quite a surprising result. Um, but a good game. I saw highlights this game. It was a very good game. Um, Newcastle should have clearly won the game, but um, Watchdown doing well to get a draw. Opposite end of the scale to the Liverpool team with a 40-year-old getting the equaliser, which proves <laughs> that I've still got time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Brighton losing to Sheffield Wednesday. Again, Sheffield Wednesday doing quite well in the Championship, so many people wouldn't have been that shocked by that. Obviously, although Brighton have been on good form recently. Um, I quite like Brighton. Um, a lot of people I've spoken to about them say they just play boring football but I actually quite enjoy watching them sometimes when they're on their when they're on their day you know they can play some really good football yeah there's a good atmosphere at this stadium they've, they've surprised me this year definitely I thought I thought they'd be near the bottom but they've done really well and yeah they do play some good football so unfortunately for you that Villa um yeah all out um can we just talk about the Fulham goal. Can we? Can we Which one, know? mate? They were both <laughs> brilliant. To be fair, um, yeah, can't. I, to be fair, I did watch the game. I can't fault that result. Uh, both teams made lots of changes. It was by no means Fulham's first team either. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse. They were better than us, but our priorities got. It's got to be on the league. So um, I wasn't too disappointed, but. Um, I think to maybe get to one all, you sort of hope, or maybe a replay will be on the cards, and then. Uh, but yeah, to concede the winner like that, very um, <laughs> hard strike was. Something special, wasn't it? Yeah, if you're going to lose a game, that's how you're going to lose it. I'm, I'm, yeah, not too disappointed to go down. You to have, it. Um, you've got the semi-final tomorrow night, the League Cup as well, haven't you? So, um, yeah. which I actually think you over two legs, I think you might actually win that one. You've got a bit more faith than me because we were completely outclassed by Leicester at Villa Park earlier this season. But, you know, maybe they're thinking that Champions League football will be on the cards and, and maybe they'll put out a weakened team. Um, I'm, I'm saying it more in hope than expectation, to be honest. But, yeah, you never know. You never know. We've got a good history in the League Cup, so anything can happen. But the um, Probably one of the biggest shocks of the weekend was uh, the Watford Tramway game. Um, and then free free after Watford. <laughs> this, I tell you what, this is this is Watford all over this season. <laughs> free nil and then and the result it was free free in the end. Um, but 
but yeah, proper FA Cup tie this time. Yeah. You know, Tranmere Trum- really, really dug deep. And um, obviously for them, huge, huge money um, f- for them to obviously get a replay as well now um, on Tranmere. The only thing I was really shocked about today is that they've listed the, the two games that they're going to show on TV, the replays, and they're not showing this game. That's crazy. No, no. Um, so I can't remember who who's got which game, but they've got the Tottenham Middlesbrough game and the Main on Wolves game. They've picked. They've not it's, chosen the Rochdale Newcastle game either. That's shocking, isn't it? A bit of a shock, to be honest. No. I would have picked those two. No. They're the games that I want to see as a football fan because I want exactly. To see you want to see the underdogs, don't you? You you want to see those games, not. Not Wolves Man United who played out a nil nil. A boring nil nil. So yeah, but there obviously there were loads of games over the weekend for the FA Cup. Um obviously Chelsea won two nil against Forest. Um Northampton had a good win against Burton four two. Arsenal beat Leeds last night. Um but yeah, lots and lots of games. But the, the draw was made as well before the game last night. Um Obviously, if Tranmere do manage to get through and uh, pass Watford, they will play uh, one of Wolves or Manchester United. So, you know, that's a good incentive for them to uh, to go out and, and win that game against Watford. <coughs> um, Spurs will play Southampton or Middlesbrough. Um, some of the other good ones, Bournemouth will play Arsenal or Leeds. And Manchester City-Fulham. So, yeah, good job you didn't get through, really. Yeah, I did chuckle to myself that we've avoided Man City there. But uh, the, the tie as well that stands out for me is um, if Coventry managed to get past Bristol Rovers, they'll be playing their landlords, Birmingham <laughs> City, at they... home, which in their, their home is St Andrews. So Coventry <laughs> City will have a home game at Birmingham City's ground, which will be... Uh, quite unique experience I think might have to give up their home dressing room <laughs> yeah. um, and obviously big for Bristol City as well if they can uh, beat um, Shrewsbury in their replay they'll um, have Liverpool Ashton Gate which is a huge huge game for them Yeah. Uh, obviously Bristol quite local to where I am as well so yeah so um, yeah not, not too many of the big teams got drawn against each other so um they all avoided each other, really, haven't they? So, um, hopefully, we'll see a few more uh, joint killings um, in the next round. Um, but speaking of, um, obviously, we are running our FA Cup feature still. Um, so, we are still with Portsmouth. Um, they actually beat Fleetwood at the weekend by two goals to one. So, we will carry on with them. And they are got... Uh, not a bad tie, actually, um, and it's one that they could actually um, go through. Obviously, Barnsley at home, and Barnsley struggling in the championship, so who knows? Portsmouth could be in the fifth round. <coughs> so, um, yeah, so we will remain with Portsmouth. Um, just quickly going on to the National League uh, for a few bits on Yeovil. Um, a very dull game at, at the weekend, which ended nil-nil. Um, but you were still second in the league. Barrow do have a few games in hand still in, in their top. So I think they could be about nine points clear if they win their games in hand. So 
yeah. they've still got a bit to do because the um, playoff situation in the National League is just a joke. So, um, yeah, so we'll have to see what they can do there. Uh, predictions. Uh, so we have got, uh, last week we had Alex, who came in for predictions. Um, he ended up on 16 points. Uh, Liam, you got 11 and did very well there. you got the goal. You did get the golden goal right though, same as me. So, yeah. and I got thirty-one points. So, smashing it. Um, I am smashing it this season, to be honest with you. And um, I think I should win a trophy on my own. Um, but Alex's score is pretty good. A sixteen is is good um, this season. Um, but uh, we will have more predictions next weekend. That will be put out on social media. Right, now for the time that Liam's been waiting for. The wonders of white. I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. This, this is an FA Cup themed um, one and I do have a Villa one in and amongst Ooh. these ones. Thank you. Um, so we'll start off with most finals scored in is Didier Drogba. He scored in four different FA Cup finals. In 2007, 2009, 2010, and 2012. And the largest margin ever in a FA Cup game was Preston North End against Hyde on the 15th of October, 1887, when Preston North End won 26-0. Yikes. Oh. You, would, uh, you would not want to be in a travelling Hyde fan on that day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, most FA Cup wins, Ashley Cole. Uh, three with Arsenal and four with Chelsea. Um, and here's your Villa one. Yeah. Most I'm FA Cup goals conceded. Aston Villa, five hundred thirty-nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I felt I felt sure you were going to say most FA Cups won was Aston Villa. Then for some reason. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have you have the honour of the most FA Cup goals ever conceded in the competition. Um, but that's with Hyde conceding 26. <laughs> yeah. That's a shock. Isn't it? 539 goals. Oh. So, yeah, there was a good one as well, which I didn't put in because I couldn't work out whether the stats included the games that had just happened. But if they have just happened, Arsenal actually have the most victories in the FA Cup. But they were tied with Manchester United. They had exactly the same games won. Um, because Arsenal won last night, I thought it doesn't actually make it that much of a, of a good stat. I thought maybe the stat would be better if they were actually tied, because you think how many FA Cup games they've both played. I yeah. to be tied on the most wins. I thought that was quite good. But then Arsenal ended up winning. I was like, oh, there's no point doing that one. But that one would have been in there. Your Villa one was always in there, mate. Nice. Well, we've got to be good at something. So at least, you know, at least we're top of the goals conceded. <laughs> Okay, moving on to Pete's teaser. Um, so, which player played two seasons in the Premier League from 2012 to 2014, scoring 28 goals in 67 games and helped their team win the League Cup? Um, and to be fair, that's as far as I got because I cannot, for the life of me, actually think of who won the League Cup on those two years. Did, uh, did Chelsea not win it at that time? No, no, because we didn't, we didn't, we won it under Mourinho first, and then we we didn't win it again till he was actually back in 2015, I think it was. 
So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Man City might have won it. Uh, yeah, the player I could think of <coughs> maybe had in Jacko, but then 67 games sounded too few. I think for he's definitely playing. He definitely scored more goals than 28. Yeah, I was just trying um, to strikers that maybe had a decent record, but weren't too long. I don't think this is going to be a City player. I no. think this is going to be the other team that we can't. I cannot for the life of me think why. <laughs> Did Spurs win it around then? Mate, don't be silly. Spurs haven't won a trophy since yeah, 2008. The only player I could think of was Pavlyuchenko, but he didn't score that many goals for Spurs, did he? No, no, it's definitely not Spurs. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I'm going to go with Dzeko just because I don't have anyone else. I think I think it's I think it's the other. Oh. Right, so probably best off to start with who won the League Cup in 2013. So the League Cup was won by Swansea. They beat Bradford 5 0. Now, this is becoming very much more obvious now because the answer is Michu. Of course, it is. Yeah, yeah, Bradford beat us in the semi final over two legs. How could I forget such a wonderful day? Oh God! This this po- it's very down on Villa. This this episode. Yeah, it's really so not good. I think it? next 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 week I'm gonna bring some. I'm gonna bring you some all Villa wonders of white, and they're all gonna be positive. Yeah, can we can we go back to 1981, 82, <laughs> the European Cup and Super Cup? That'd be nice. We will try try and time travel uh, for the sake of the podcast for <laughs> Liam. Um, yeah. But yet, the answer to the teaser, um, I'm assuming, is Michu, um, because he was probably the only goal scorer that year for Swansea. Uh, and they beat Bradford 5 0 in the. In the... Yeah, a bit of a one sided final, that one, wasn't <sighs> it? To think that Bradford got to the cup final. Yeah, an incredible achievement. Absolutely brilliant. That must have been around the time they actually knocked Chelsea out of the FA Cup as well, whether it was that season or the season before. Remember that? That was a dark day. They beat us 4-2 at home as well. Ouch. I remember that game as well. Yeah, that was... Uh... Oh, I'm going to stop now. This isn't negative on Chelsea, mate. Friend, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, yep, yeah, that is everything for this week's podcast. Obviously, we will be back next week with um, the Premier League. We'll be back, so we will be talking about the games. Hopefully, we can talk about Villa winning this weekend, mate. Who they who they got this weekend? Um, I'm not actually too sure. Hang on, let me just quickly have a look. I think uh, unfortunately for you, mate, it's a way to Man City, isn't it? <laughs> there's so much football going on. I've no idea um, when the next games are even happening, let alone who we've got. I think you're um, playing on Sunday against Manchester City. So, oh, nice. That's an easy three points. So, we'll, uh, uh, again, <laughs> I think I will have to bring some positivity to Villa after this weekend, I think. Somehow. I would appreciate it, yeah. But yeah, um, well yeah. So that is that is it for this week. Uh, Liam, you'll be back next week. Hopefully, he's yes. definitely going to come back. I've not insulted yeah. too much for you not to come I'll back. More than that, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, we will see you next week. <laughs>